Welcome to this episode of Professed Hearth, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature all discuss their perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra, and today we're going to finish talking about witches. I was going to do a witch laugh into the microphone, but it's not appropriate. It might hurt your ears. And I'm Misty. I've heard your witch laugh, so I'm good. But have you heard it directly into a microphone? Nope. Okay. And I don't need to. There you go. So I want to start by saying I generally advise my students to avoid beginning their essays or any of their written work with the dreaded Merriam-Webster defines blank as such and such. But in this case, I do think a dictionary definition is an important place to start. I would just circle your introduction and put a red line through it and say start over. I think it's an important place to start here. Fine. The, the dictionary defines which as being one of three things. A woman with a pointy hat. No. One is... Is one credited with malignant supernatural powers, specifically a woman pe- practicing witchcraft, often with the help of the devil? Oh, I like that the devil is like the sidekick there. Yeah. <laughs> the devil is the helper. Option two for which is an ugly woman or hag. Oh. And option three is an alluringly beautiful girl or women. Woman. That's, that's the opposite of definition two. Yes. So already... We have some problems. I am reminded of that Goldilocks conundrum and that double bind theory that we discussed in the previous episode. Women can be ignored or disparaged for either being too hot or too cold, or that a woman cannot simultaneously be both competent and feminine. An extension of those ideas it suggests that to be powerful, you have to be hideous, or that you can neither be too ugly nor too pretty. Otherwise, you're suspicious. Right. Yes. The other thing that strikes me here about that dictionary definition is why I think the concept of a witch is so appealing to most of us or to many of us. They ignore social scripts. They're okay with not fitting into a socially acceptable definition of feminine or female. They want to be powerful. They know they are powerful. They're okay with being maligned. They are strong and smart enough to know that they are being maligned because they're a threat to the patriarchy. They're not going to fit into the roles predefined for women, and that's why they have power. Supernatural power or metaphorical power and agency over themselves. They're not trying to fit, and that's what gives them power. And that's why they will always either be too ugly or too beautiful, but never just right, because we can't accept them socially. I do want to stop, though, and say that there's witches and then witches in quotation marks. And what is the difference between a witch and a quotation mark witch? So a witch is someone who might be a practicing Wiccan, a spiritual or religious witch, someone who casts spells. So somebody who identifies with it unironically. Right. Reads tarot cards, practices paganism. Right. An actual witch. Someone who identifies that spiritually or religiously. And then there's like the political, aesthetic, metaphorical witch. Someone you say, oh, she has witch vibes, right? Someone who identifies with that rebellious, feminist, woman-centric, matriarchal, generally witchy sensibility. Okay. (laughs) So I do want to say that those are two different things. Because if you are a practicing... Wiccan or uh, you read tarot cards and you identify spiritually with witchcraft or being a witch. I don't want to say, oh, you're just, it's just an aesthetic to you. It's right. two different things. Yes. Yeah. So are witches the ultimate feminists? Oh, that's a good question. 
So, yes and no? Sure. There's a book called Witches, Sluts, Feminists, Conjuring the Sex Positive by Kristen Soli. And in it, she writes about witches as ultimate feminists. And obviously, this book is about women who reject typical social scripts. Uh, a lot of her book is about Hillary Clinton. Well, there's a whole chapter about Hillary Clinton, sometimes referred to as the Wicked Witch of the Left. Which is clever, if nothing else. Yeah, I guess. Fine. I like it. You're into puns? I love puns. How do you not? Um, Rush Limbaugh, who you know loves to give people nicknames, called her a witch with a B. So you know what that That's means. That's not as clever. No. It's not as good. No, it's not. Um, so... She was maligned by a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but she obviously was a strong, competent woman. I think literally almost everyone can admit those two things. She's smart. Yeah, no. She's not dead. I meant was a strong, competent female candidate. Yes. She is still a strong, competent female woman, person, human. Yes. Um, But... There was just some kind of weird hatred, and it really did seem like a... Is it that weird? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we were all kind of expecting it, weren't we? Yeah, so we had to turn her into... history has taught us nothing. We had to turn her into either the hag or the person who is assumed to be consorting with the devil. Right, that's how we... Well, (laughs) Right, one of those two definitions of witch, either the, the old hag... Or someone consorting with the devil. And Kristen Soli in her book says that women are reclaiming the witch as a symbol of female power and persecution. And that that started a long time ago. And I'm sure you have a history oh, lesson I do. for us coming mm-hmm. somewhere. But she says we have a kind of a new age. I don't know if it's a new age or just a continuing age of sexist turmoil. So it's a resurrecting of this identity yeah, that's As, why my answer earlier was like, eh, because if you use like the 1600s version, I do not think that that's a good symbol. <laughs> no. But the modern day since the 1960s version yeah. with the reclaiming of the word, I do think that's become a feminist symbol. Yeah. And so what what she says in her book is that there's no one way to be a witch. And here we're talking about witch in quotation marks. Um, there are a lot of pop culture icons. So we're going to talk about them a little bit later. Wizard of Oz, American Horror Story, Coven had a lot of witches. Bewitched. Bewitched. The Craft. And of course. Oh, yeah. The Craft. Sabrina. Oh, yeah. We're talking about The Craft today, Misty. It's a 90s movie about witches. What did you think? <laughs> I was going to not talk about it. I think it's getting rebooted. Uh, it is. It's being remade. Uh, I was going to surprise you with that because you hate remakes. But I do hate you them already so know. much. You already know. Um, so, so Lee defines a witch in pretty broad terms. She says it's someone who can shift perceptions and create change. The identity can be conceived of in so many ways. It's all about discovering what kind of witch you already are or desire to be. And she does talk about what you mentioned last time, which is that in some parts of the world, we still have literal witch hunts and literal witch trials and that there are still circumstances that result in violence against women, including murder in the form of execution. Um, And that's, of course, been happening basically since the beginning of time, as far as I understand history. So (laughs) it's just all bad. Uh, She says, you know, people just fear what they can't control. 
And she brings up this quote that I always think of when we talk about these issues, which is that people who have social power and social control, to them, equality feels like losing something. And right. so the threat of gender parity is frightening to people who have an advantageous position in society. And so they kind of see women as rabid, untamed witches on the prowl for autonomy. Because if you see it as a zero-sum game, yes, then you gaining power lessens the amount of power that's in the world. Right. When it's not a zero-sum game. Obviously. It's right. So... Uh, what she says is other people's sphere of witches can be a source of power because we can subvert a lot of social expectations. So now I'm going to guess that you have some history for us as witches, women, subverting expectations and protesting. Thing. I don't know. What do you know about the Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell? Um, I like the sound of it. <laughs> I mean, obviously not the word terrorist, but I'm guessing they just needed a T word. Yeah, they needed a T word. So that's witch. And in 1968, women dressed as witches, I think 13 of them. They had brooms and capes and pointy hats and the whole nine yards. And they went to Wall Street and they put a hex on our financial system. And then the next day, Wall Street fell by five points. So maybe it worked. I mean, it does that. <laughs> pretty regularly <laughs> drops right places, five points but but if nothing else this was kind of a shocking display and kind of a shocking protest so the women's international terrorist conspiracy from hell is founded by robin morgan who is a poet and author a political activist a journalist a lecturer and apparently a child actor i didn't know that part until i was doing the research for this okay yeah i couldn't find what she was actually in but she was a child actor at some point So in 1970, she wrote a book called Sisterhood is Powerful. And this is usually credited as one of the movement or one of the books that started the feminist movement. Uh, She's also going to work with Gloria Steinem. And she is an editor of Miss Magazine at some point, too. So So she started Witch and she somehow ended up being the editor of Ms. Magazine. Well, right. But she didn't just start Witch. She was connected to all these people anyway. Okay. So she called witch guerrilla performance activism. Okay. So I feel like that's a trend that's caught on. Yes. Like in my mind, I think when people show up to protest like abortion bills wearing the handmade costumes. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So then in 1969, we're going to have a group of women who take this idea and sort of run with it. In New York, 400 women are going to file a suit charging the state abortion laws are unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And when they first brought this up and were protesting it, they had the witch look to them. Yeah. Uh, We are going to see a group of women in Oregon. I think Portland. Probably. And also, I mean, I'm guessing. (laughs) And also in Berkeley. So as these different witch groups spring up across the United States and apparently Japan, they started playing with the word witch. And so it doesn't always mean the same thing. So, which in some cases meant women interested in toppling commercial holidays. <laughs> That's very specific. It very, very much is. Women infuriated at taking care of hoodlums. Women inspired to tell their collective history. I like that one. That's nice. And then Red Witch was a socialist spinoff of the original witch group. Okay. Yeah. 
So they have all of these, like like I said, performance guerrilla protests. And, man, they did some interesting things. They targeted universities and beauty pageants. So if you can imagine being in a beauty pageant and all these people dress as witches to start <laughs> showing up. I would love that. So why were they witches? They chose the symbol of a witch on purpose because they felt like it was a feminist symbol. So I want to read you part of their manifesto. Oh, they have a manifesto. Oh, they have a manifesto. Okay. Yeah. Witch is an all-women everything. It's theater, revolution, magic, terror, joy, garlic, flowers, and spells. It's an awareness that witches and gypsies were the original guerrillas and resistance fighters against oppression, particularly the oppression of women down through the ages. Witches have always been women who dared to be groovy. It's the 70s. Groovy, courageous, aggressive, intelligent, nonconformist, explorative, curious, independent, sexually liberated, and revolutionary. So they're taking this. Is that historically accurate? I mean, not entirely. Okay. (laughs) Not entirely. But it's the symbol of it, right? Yeah. They're taking it and they're using it to apply to this new feminist movement that women have been outside of social conventions and those women are sometimes called witches and apparently i mean like we talked about our last episode had been attacked and killed for that right so they're reclaiming that and saying we're going to be outside the social system we're going to do things our own way and it's not the 1600s so you can't kill me hopefully hopefully you can't light me on fire and you can't hang me (laughs) hopefully they bowed to no man believing the living remnants of the oldest culture of all the one in which men and women were equal, shares in a truly cooperative society before the death-dealing sexual, economic, and spiritual repression of the imperialist, phallic society took over and began to destroy the nature and human society. So they're real out there. They're real out there. They're real out there. Because um, I do think that imperialism and misogyny is a huge problem. I don't know that I would call it the imperialist phallic society. So... These are quotes from people who are part of the early group, which they said, for some of us, it was funny. It was exciting. It was a building of sisterhood. We were bonding together. It was a little scary to take this action. We didn't know what would happen, but we were learning together. So some of them were a little more serious about the idea of witches than other ones. Okay, so it sounds like some of them were just like, I just wanted to hang out with some cool... Right, and we need a symbol... Rebellious ladies. That is a feminine symbol. Yeah. But a feminine who is... A rebellious symbol. Yeah. And I don't know how many of those you have other than which. Well, now you have a handmaid. Yes. Now we have a handmaid. That's But this it. is pre-handmaids. Oh, I like this quote. If you're a woman and dare to look within yourself, you are a witch. You make your own rules. You are free and beautiful. You can be invisible or evident in how you choose to make your witch self known. You can form your own coven of sister witches 13 is a cozy number for a group and do your own actions. You are a witch by saying aloud, I am a witch three times and thinking about it. You are a witch by being female, untamed, angry, joyous, and immortal. Man, that's from one of their recruitment pamphlets. That's a recruitment pamphlet. Yeah. <laughs> you say I'm a witch out loud three, three times. times and think about it. Yep. So isn't that awesome? Yes. So this group, is not seen by other feminist groups as a super serious group. I wonder why. Right. Because of this performance element to it. It's not clear. Yeah. But if nothing else, they drew attention to issues that other groups could then pursue serious action on. Sure. So 
the attention matters, even if it's kind of silly. In 2016, again, something happened in 2016, but we're unclear what. Not sure. So this witch movement was resurrected, again, in Portland. Of course. Yep. And so we now, currently today, have 50 new covens across the United States and Europe. And some of them have actually expanded the message a lot more. So one I think is really interesting is welcoming immigrants and their children here. They are really into this acronym. They really are. But welcoming immigrants and their children here is much better than the, what was the original? The Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell. Okay. So yeah, I mean, welcoming immigrants and their children here is a little bit more welcoming and positive. (laughs) So uh, there's at Witch Boston on Twitter. You can follow if you're interested. Some of these groups have put up YouTube channels. I found one where they posted a video uh, putting a hex on Donald Trump. So, again, lots of variation here sure. and no central hierarchy. So if you want to form a witch group and make it mean whatever you want it to mean, you can do that. Yeah. Just go find 12 friends. And figure out what you want the letters to stand for. Yes. And be very strict about <laughs> making sure you can stick to that. W-I-T-C-H. Yes. That's how you spell it. So we have a lot of recent use of witches as a protest symbol or in various places. So in there are a lot of anti-abortion uh, rallies where people dress as witches sometimes. Sometimes they dress as handmaids. Um, have you watched the show Broad City? I'm aware of it. It ended, right? It's done. <laughs> I love when I ask you if you've seen something and you just say, yeah, I'm aware of it. Which means, no, I'm not. I've seen a commercial. I'm not going to watch that. (laughs) Don't bring that up to me. But Abby and Alana invoke witchcraft playfully. I mean, they don't start consorting with the devil or practicing Wicca as a religion, but they do invoke witchcraft as their way of protesting the current political uh, dynamic. And you know Lindy West? I do. She wrote Shrill, which we've talked about. She's got a book coming out next month called The Witches Are Coming. Why that book is scheduled to come out in November and not October, I don't know. Oh, that is bad timing. They didn't put me in charge of that. But um, she said... Oh, so they were talking to her about how men perceive Me Too and this new view on sexual harassment. Men sometimes perceive it as a witch hunt. And so what Lindy West said is, sure, if you insist, it's a witch hunt. I'm a witch and I'm hunting you. That's good. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) And so, yeah, she was just basically saying, like, we're not going to remain silent against the more powerful men. If you want to keep calling it a witch hunt, fine. We're the witches and we're hunting you. Well, in in that case, you would be implying that there are actually witches. Yeah. Because if you don't do it, you don't have to worry about being rounded up. Yeah. I know. It just makes me insane. I know. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Logic and reason. So, again, subverting cultural bounds, witches are the scourge of patriarchy. As you know. You don't know? I mean, that's... Okay. On the eve of the Women's March in 2017... Uh, one writer wrote in Elle magazine, this is the time for getting scary. We need to go full witch. Yeah, I saw that quote and I really liked it. I'm not sure what going full witch actually means, but I like it. I'm going to go full witch. All right. So the use of witch is not all the time positive. 
There's been a conservative backlash. Oh, good. <laughs> right. As you expect there to be. Oh, wonderful. So, AOC was accused. <laughs> You're not even going to try and say her name? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It's the middle part that will trip me up. Yeah. You're not good at pronouncing. No, okay. I'm not. You have other skills. So anyway, she was accused by a conservative religious group of being a witch and that she is leading a essentially coven attack 24-7 against President Donald Trump. So let's just examine this for just a minute. Now, really? I know this was just one crazy man who said this about her, but the idea that because there are more than one, there is more than one woman doing something that you don't like that you refer to them as a coven right so it is still a way to disparage and malign and dismiss and dismiss what people are doing and to really make fun of them and but also to cause panic and fear and to kind of insinuate that what you're doing isn't legitimate or thoughtful it's witchcraft it's cunning it's trickery it's not you doing something in the political sphere after research and thought and discussing it with people you're just trying to get one over on us so the guy who said this is dave cabal and he's the president of religious right group intercessors for america intercessors for america yes so i'm offering up prayers as an intercessory to god on behalf of america so another issue with this, besides the fact that it's just one wrong and two a little nuts, is that, sorry. I mean, it is. There's just no other way to explain what's happening there. But to his followers, mm -hmm. he's inciting fear mm -hmm. and panic. Yeah. And he's casting her as the other. Mm -hmm. And he's creating this idea that it's not politics, it's spiritual warfare. You can compromise in politics. You can't compromise when it's your spirituality. Oh, that's a good point. So then we're going to come back to this idea that we can't agree with her on anything no matter what. Right. Because she is attacking us. Yep. So he led a prayer for his followers um, against the demonic forces that are clustered in southern New York City. So again, it's the othering. It's the fear. It's this idea that we cannot compromise. We can't even agree on anything with these people. Because they're demonic. Demonic. Right. Not that they disagree with this. Not that their ideology is different. Not that they're Americans deserving of the same rights and privileges as us. Well, they're women, so they're not even people. Well. Did you know that? I guess. I mean. So other politicians, of course, have been targeted by groups like this. Um, Hillary Clinton, like you said before, of course. Yes. Nancy Pelosi. Yes. I mean, so basically name a woman. In a high position of power. And she's probably been targeted by a group like this. Or similar to this. Yeah. And, you're, and again, you're either too old or too young. Or too haggish. You're either a hag or you're... Too pretty. Or you're trying to trick men with your beauty. Mm. I, is there ever an age where you're just right? Or do you just one day go from being too young and alluringly beautiful to now you're a hag? I think it's 45. But do you have like at least one day where you're just like normal? So on the eve of your 45th <laughs> birthday, you're neither alluring young witch nor hag. Right. That's it. So you have like one day of personhood. So what you're saying is I'm a young alluring witch right now. 
<laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm kind of looking forward to becoming a hag, I'll be honest. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Okay. Um, other places that this has shown up recently in pop culture, there's a self-help book called Basic Witches, which again, I like puns. Yeah. It's a good title. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yeah. It took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's embarrassing. I teach English. So Jess Zimmerman and Jaya Saxena wrote this book, and they said, if you speak when you're told to be quiet, take pride when you're told to feel shame, love what and who you are, sorry, love what and who you love, whether or not others approve, you are practicing witchcraft. I like it. And it's a British book, I'm guessing. I think so. Because they, they spelled practicing with an S. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's actually a lot of witch, witchy self-help books. I know there's a book called Tarot for Self-Care. Oh, okay. So if you are a person who uses tarot cards or wants to, that is a book that you can buy. I think it actually just came out not very long ago. I follow a lot of self-identifying witches on Instagram. And so I see a lot of their posts. Um, but yeah, I think that that is another aspect maybe of witchcraft is that some of the spell casting literal or figurative is also about protecting and helping yourself right self-care self-help building yourself up um and i think that is also something that people see as subversive because we are supposed to be caregivers yes and we are supposed to be servants kind of and instead of that um when we stop to take care of ourselves, which of course all of us should be doing, it is kind of an act of subversion. So uh, one more author I want to talk about. Yeah. Pam Grossman. Have you heard about her? No. Apparently she has a pretty popular podcast and I believe it's called The Witch Wave. And she's also an author. And so she's... Yeah, it's called The Witch Wave. So she's uh, written quite a bit about being a witch. She self-identifies as a witch. And she talks about this idea of feminists identifying with witches because they want to have autonomy over their own lives. Yeah. So witches have control of their agency and their own path. Feminists like that. So they are emulating witches. That's an interesting perspective. And I think that that kind of very succinctly expresses a lot of ideas we've been talking about, Mm -hmm. which is those non-quotation mark witches have a lot of power and autonomy. And so quotation mark witches, right, are or feminists are looking to emulate that. And so I think that is a why we might identify with witchy vibes. Yeah, the Witch Wave podcast, uh, its website says, is a podcast for bewitching conversation about magic, creativity, and culture. And her book, if you're interested, is called Waking the Witch, Reflections on Women, Magic, and Power. Waking the Witch. Yeah. Pretty good title. Vulture calls her the Terry Gross of witches. That is high praise. That really is. So I'm going to have to listen to that on my way home for sure. So let's talk about pop culture witches. You got to talk about history and politics and protests. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I want to talk about pop culture witches. Sure. Let's talk about pretend. Pretend, but reflective of... And part of our culture. Yes, as you keep telling me. <laughs> <laughs> so in 
So for more than a hundred years, we've had like a harmless novelty Halloween witch costume. It's like a fun thing. So the pointy hat, yes. maybe the broomstick. Uh, that, But that idea really came into being as a very popular costume when we had the 1939 Wizard of Oz. Dude. My husband makes us watch this every year. Okay. The Wicked Witch of the West, of course, the star of the movie. Most important character. You would think she's the star, not Dorothy? I mean, according to my interpretation, yes, she's the star, obviously. Did you know in the book that her skin is not green? Well, and the shoes aren't red. Right. Because it's a whole gold standard metaphor. But this is the first movie that we had in color, so they really wanted to amp it up. Make the color colorful. Yeah. So she was green skinned. And in the book, they don't mention her skin. Uh, or at least what color it is. And she, let's see, she had a more seasoned appearance than Glinda the Good Witch. <laughs> She's older. Is that what you're so trying to say? If, go back to that dictionary yes. definition, right? She is the hag and Glinda is the alluringly beautiful young woman. The visual signals here are pretty obvious, right? Yes. The traditional feminine, normal, heteronormative, young, blonde woman is good and the older darker haired non-white woman well not anything woman (laughs) the ugly one yes is bad well dorothy even says that in the movie she says all witches are ugly and then all the little munchkins laugh and they're like what she's like why are you laughing and glinda says oh because i'm a witch so dorothy didn't realize that she's a witch Uh, yeah the idea of a good witch yes yeah and it's very there's a long tradition in literature that associates beauty with virtue, goodness, mm-hmm. and ugliness with badness. Yes. Or evil. Yes. And I mean, that's in poetry and everything else. And so if a woman is beautiful, we assume that she's good. And so anyway, that just contributes to our whole self-image beauty problem. But the movie definitely is very clear about aesthetics connected to morality and ethics absolutely and now we have pop culture witches all over the place and we have plenty of i want to say one more thing about the wizard of oz okay so i was reading through descriptions on tv of looking for a show one time yeah and i saw the tv guide description of wizard of oz okay two women fight over shoes (laughs) it's really three women (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But go on. That had nothing to add to the conversation. That's I okay. just wanted to share. So um, anyway, there's a lot of modern day pop culture or at least recent day pop culture witchiness. Yes. I'm thinking mostly of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which isn't that recent, honestly. I'm old. Uh, American Horror Story Coven. Did you watch that one? No. Okay. The Craft. I've seen that. You've seen that. Yes. Good. So all of those try to put a more feminist spin on witchcraft and they give the women power and some of the witches are beautiful and a lot of them do fighting for good and th- things that are selfless. And But even though we now have this Hollywood connection between witchcraft and feminism or female empowerment, it's still mostly young, white, traditionally attractive women. 
So it's not intersectional it's witchcraft. Not intersectional. And even when we have an older hag or an unattractive witch, I mean, we're still falling into the same tropes that we see everywhere else. But I mean, I wonder if part of that is I mean, everyone you see on TV is younger and wealthier and whiter than real life. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising that that happens no. to witches as well. No, but you would you would hope that the depiction of witches would be different because in real life, I think witches, whatever in all senses, want to be very intersectional, want to be very inclusive, want to be very culturally aware. And so we would hope that if we can get Hollywood to connect witchcraft and witchiness with female empowerment, like the the new Adventures of Sabrina yes, on Netflix, that is a much more feminist take on Sabrina. She's makes decisions for herself. She sees gray in a world that's pretty black and white. She belongs to a family of mostly women. They have a gay family member. They have a diverse population of school in her school and among her friends. But still, she is a very traditionally attractive young white girl in a mostly white family. And we don't see a lot of intersectionality when it comes to the different portrayals. I mean, American Horror Story Coven, which I can talk about in depth in a minute, has a lot of black characters, but all the white characters hate all the black characters, and all the black characters hate all the white characters, and it's the whole show is basically... Uh, a race war? I guess. <laughs> I mean, if the whole point of a witch is to defy these standards, but mm-hmm. yet we come in and we lay these Hollywood standards over it, then have we removed the power from that symbol? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's kind of what it is. It's a very small step forward to say witches can be portrayed as good or witches can be portrayed as helpful. And even if you do practice paganism or the quote-unquote dark arts like Sabrina does, you still care about people and you still want to help and not hurt people. And so we get that multifaceted. So we have this small baby step, but it still has these Hollywood rules. Yeah. Right? you got to be young and beautiful. You probably have to be white. And there is still a dichotomy, good witch or bad witch. Wait, so witches are people and should be portrayed with nuance? (laughs) I guess that's what I'm saying here. Yes, Missy, witches are people too. Um, So our thesis is growing. (laughs) Women are people and witches are people. So I will say that the Netflix Sabrina probably comes the closest to examining the idea that witches are people, that there's more than one way to be a woman, there's more than one way to be a person, more than one way to be a witch. And again, it does have some diversity and inclusion in its casting and its representation, but that's really it. Most everything else kind of puts people into very narrow and limited boxes. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know this existed. What? Sabrina, the new one. I've talked about it well, on I know. the show. Then at last week, I learned about it when you talked about it because I was picturing like Carissa explains it all as Sabrina. So I really had no idea this was a thing. So let's talk about The Craft. The Craft is from 1996. The IMDb summary is, after transferring to a Los Angeles high school, Sarah finds that her telekinetic gift appeals to a group of three wannabe witches who happen to be seeking a fourth member for their rituals. 
Bonnie, Rochelle, and Nancy, like Sarah herself, all have troubled backgrounds which, combined with their nascent powers, lead to dangerous consequences. When a minor spell causes a fellow student to lose her hair, the girls grow power mad. All right. So... Do you like this movie? Do you remember liking it? I know it's probably been like 20 years since you've seen it, but do you remember I remember it, it being a big deal. Yeah. I remember people watching this over and over and over again. I remember people trying to kind of dress like them. Yeah. I don't think it ever spoke to me in that way, mm-hmm. but I know people that it did. And it does still speak to people. Like there are still like horror conventions where actors from the craft are asked to attend and people pay money to take pictures with them. Whoa, really? I will. Yes. And I will say that when those conventions happen, Rachel True, who uh, played Rochelle, also the only non-white of those four women, um, she does identify as a witch. Oh, okay. And she is never asked to attend. What? That's wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm aware. So she's also a great person to follow on Twitter if you are a Twitter person, Rachel True. So so the other three are all asked and she is not. They are regularly asked, yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So the consensus about the movie, the critic consensus, this comes from Rotten Tomato, the craft's campy magic often overrides the feminist message at its story's core, but its appealing cast and postmodern perspective still cast a sporadic spell. So, wow, kind of real tempered, kind of good, I guess. Parts are good, but lots of parts are not. I don't know when that was written because I don't know if in the 90s we would have called it campy. It's definitely campy if you watch it now. Yeah, it's campy. So, um... 55% 55% on the tomato meter, 65 Some of what that movie was, I think, was like, hey, I figured out how to do this with CGI. Let's just build a movie around me being able to do this. And I think it does scare people that if we have a bunch of teenage girls who go around lighting things on fire. But I will say the downside to me of that movie is that the women in the female characters, they fight over men. Oh, I don't remember that. And one of them is like the good virginal one. And one of them is like too sexy. I just evil. remember they turned on the one girl and they had a big fight at her house. That's what I remember about that movie. <laughs> yeah, they do. They fight over a guy and in fighting over that guy, they kind of trope the girls as to being the virginal one and the sexy one and the sexy one is the evil one and of course then we fall into all those horror movie tropes that we talked about on like our second episode so shout out to our second episode i guess so maybe the reboot will be better they are remaking it for a long time people thought they were just going to make a sequel but i guess they're past 45 so they're hags now i don't know (laughs) They're remaking it. They're not making a sequel. I don't know why that decision was made. My guess is that they're too old. I'm going to ask you a question you might not know. Okay. So, Rachel True. Yeah. Did she identify as a witch when this movie was made? I don't know. Okay. I, and I, I'm not going to say that being in the movie The Craft inspired her to become a witch. No, I was just wondering like, yeah. if, if she felt like it was a good portrayal of that or not. 
I'd I be interested know. to see. She's very honest about, and she talks a lot about the craft on her Twitter page. Yeah, she actually has a book about tarot reading that she wrote that you can buy. Okay. Yes. I do want to briefly talk to you about American Horror Story Coven. Okay, so American Horror Story is a TV show. Yes. But every season is different. Right. And so there was a season that was about witches. Okay. And it was a mostly female cast. They were the descendants of Salem witches. Oh, we talked about that before. And the sh- this series or this season takes place in New Orleans. And oh. so there are there is a group, maybe a coven, of voodoo witches. Is it based on like historical witches? The show is mostly focused on the supreme witch who's named Fiona, played by Jessica Lange. And she is obsessed with her age and not aging and not being old. Because, I mean, there are some famous, famous um, historical witches from New Orleans. Like, are you asking me about history? Because I do not know. Well, Marie Laveau. Was a practicer of that voodoo in New Orleans? That sounds like a familiar name. So if they were relying on the historical character there. Oh, so Angela Bassett did play Marie Laveau. Okay. That was her character's name. Okay. So yes, there is They're some historical. playing with the history. Yes. Okay. I'm so impressed that you just knew that. Well, my family's from Louisiana, so. <laughs> so you know voodoo? We have visited Marie Laveau's grave. Okay. It's a thing that you do in New Orleans. Okay. And you leave her little gifts. So, the sh- again, the show mostly follows the Supreme Witch Fiona. Who's it's a thing just you do if you're a tourist in New Orleans. Let me say that. <laughs> it's a tourist thing to do. Um, there are a lot of abuse, or there are a lot of morbid ideas in this season. So, we have abusive... More than other seasons? Yes. Okay. Uh, abusive Christian fundamentalist mothers, witch hunters, ghosts, serial killer ghosts. What? 300-year-old racist immortal serial killers. Uh-huh. Um, and th- this kind of race war vibe between the voodoo witches and Jessica Lang's coven. They also at one point bring a man back from the dead. Like a Frankenstein oh, okay. situation to be like their dreamy boyfriend. Ew, okay. Yeah. It's, that it's, never works out well. It's just, it doesn't handle race questions very well. Uh, initially, it was applauded because there were so many characters and actors of color in the show. But it, there was kind of a dividing line between black and white in some ways. And some people just said that it was just racist. Like the show itself was blatantly racist. I didn't see it that way, but I'm a white person. So I am not necessarily as attuned to those things as other people. It Well, and race itself is a very interesting concept in New Orleans. Sure. Because the history there is so specific to that place. That race really has meant something different there. So yeah. I'm wondering if maybe that's why they picked the setting, but maybe they didn't explain that clearly. And and I think the other reason the setting is picked is because they can do this Salem versus voodoo kind of witch. Oh, like what kind of witch are you? Right. Mm. So Interesting. 
it just seemed to play up a lot of stereotypes, I guess, is what a lot of people who watched it felt. I mean, to be fair, it's a very popular show. Most people who watched it really enjoyed it. Most people watched every single episode, couldn't wait for the next one to come out. It Most has a huge don't. fan base, but there are people who criticize it as not handling race issues well and for using certain characters as token characters mm-hmm. and giving Kathy Bates, who was the racist serial killer who's immortal, way too much power in the show and w- kind of trying to get people to sympathize with her in some ways. So... And uh, her character, uh, Lollary. Yeah. That's also a historical character. Well, there you go. And she was terrible. Yes. Horrible person. So they probably got that right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of criticisms for the show. And again, we have this this reused idea that they're descended from Salem witches. The overarching idea is it's a, lo- it's a, sh- it's a whole season of a TV show about super powerful women and women who work together. Sounds good. And women who um, have alliances. And But episode by episode, the way the plot lines played out, it did seem to pit people against each other. It did seem to get us to maybe try to sympathize with the wrong character. And it did focus on this idea of you're the young alluring or you're the old hag. And in Jessica Lang's case, you'll do basically anything. To not be the old to hag. To not turn into the old hag. That's not a very feminist idea. Right. So, that's my take on American Horror Story Coven. I've heard that other people can just watch TV shows and not think about Some them. Some people can. They can. <laughs> and I am not among them. No, I'm not either. Yeah. It sounds like they were trying to get the history of New Orleans into this. Yes. Pigeonholed a little bit. Yes. And that they maybe didn't take the time to fully explain what they were doing. And I And I think, like a lot of things... It was history when it was convenient. Yeah. And deviate from history when it was more convenient. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to ask you about something that we don't have in our show notes. Okay. Maleficent. Oh, yeah. I guess she's a witch, huh? She is a witch. Yeah. So I wanted to see if you had any thoughts about... So here's the thing. (laughs) Okay. I haven't seen the first movie. I'll just say that. Why did you ask me if I have thoughts? You know I have opinions on everything. Things you haven't even seen yet. I have an opinion about it. Yeah. Go ahead. It looks bad. It looks like a real bad movie. Doesn't it? Did you see the first one? No. Okay. So I love her look. I love her aesthetic. I love her lipstick. (laughs) I like her power lines. She says certain things and she says them in a very witchy, cool way. The movie itself doesn't look interesting at all. But I guess Maleficent is a witch. Yeah, she is. I never thought about that. Wait, she is, right? Yeah. No, she's a witch. Not like a dark fairy. She's a witch. No, she's a witch. Okay. I'm not here to decide where the line (laughs) between dark fairy and witch is. That's not my job. But yeah, Maleficent's a witch. And I like that the movie itself exists. I like that it's a powerful female villain as the protagonist of the movie. I think that's interesting. Why'd you bring it up? Just because we have a witch movie that's about to come out yeah. and we're talking about witches. So I thought it was kind of an obvious admission from our show notes. Have you seen the Descendants movies on Disney Channel? I don't even know what you're talking about. No. You got real angry about that. We watched 
Disney Junior. Okay, so on the Disney Channel, these are definitely not appropriate for a four-year-old. You said like your stepdaughter really likes. She's these, obsessed right? with them. Uh, yeah, so it's like the descendants of Disney villains, and so Maleficent's daughter is like the main character. Okay. Of the movie series, uh, also, but they're all villains. They're all bad. Well, no the the heroes' kids are there too, but the show focuses on the villains' kids, the VKs, the villains' kids. I'm sorry. This just sounds kind of dumb. So wait, all of the Disney people. I'm have sorry. Had- you think a Disney Channel movie <laughs> sounds dumb? I don't. Where would you get that idea? So these people that all exist in different universes. They don't exist in different universes. They all exist in the same universe. That but universe is called Oridon. But across time, though. But they've had children that are somehow now all friends together. The VKs are friends. Oh, okay. And the heroes' kids are friends. Okay. And then eventually Maleficent's daughter marries the son of Beast and Belle. He's, I'm sorry. He's half Beast. But Beauty and the Beast is set in pre-revolution France. And Sleeping Beauty, I believe, is medieval England. Was a problem. I th- those are different. Mm, I don't think so. They both seem old timey to me. So it seems like the same thing. <laughs> it's all old timey. That's no, no, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. We can't watch this in my house. <laughs> the son of this Jaf- will break my brain. The son of Jafar is there. The son of the evil queen. Evil queen from Snow White. She was a witch too, I think. Right? Yeah. And. Uh, the son of Cruella de Vil. That was set in London <laughs> in like the 20s. What is happening? He's there. Um, oh, no. No, this is... Fairy Godmother. Like Bippity Boppity Boo? Yeah, she says Bippity Boppity Boo all the time. Her daughter is there as well. She was definitely postmenopausal in Cinderella. Just so we're all clear. She had a child previously. That child would be 40. I don't know, man. I'm just telling you that. So there are some children of witches. The children have powers. Um, It's a very weird series of movies. How many are there? Oh, Ursula has a daughter. Oh, okay. So now not only are we spanning time, but apparently, like, she can breathe on land. She's just a human person, the daughter. Fantastic. Yeah, of course. Why not? Why not? No, I can't watch this. <laughs> I'm angry. But so, yeah, we have a few Disney witches there. Uh, and they are, in the cartoon versions, they are troped out to the max, right? They are. I kind of like Ursula. I'm not going to lie. I hate that movie, but I like they Ursula. Are, they are ugly hags. Ursula's kind of pretty. They're supposed to be ugly hags. Yeah. We, we find Ursula appealing. But they're supposed to be, like, ugly youth yeah like snow white with the apple that, youth that's coveting, definitely like a yeah, hag with the hook nose and mm-hmm. the warts yeah and they hate the young beautiful yeah most of them hate them because they're young and beautiful and they want to either steal their youth or just eliminate them because they're competition, competition um or take away their power because they hate them and yeah i mean all of those disney witch movies are super super not feminist <laughs> patriarchal yes and do not depict women in a very positive way and put women in these very i mean like bold outlined trope boxes that you cannot move from and in fact 
those witches almost seem interchangeable, right? It's hard to dis- yeah. remember like which one is from Cinderella, which one is from Snow White, and the same with the main characters. Right. They are virtue. I mean, we I remember Ariel has red hair and Snow White has a certain dress, but the characters themselves are virtually interchangeable. Yeah, and my husband's like the pink one. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, because they don't have distinct personality traits. It's not like the lawyer or the, you know, I can't think of another job that women could have. The teacher. (laughs) I don't know. English professor. They they don't have distinct personalities. So it's pretty bad. Yeah. And even I think the remakes now, like the malevolent, malevolent. That's not right. (laughs) Maleficent. Maleficent, Who is malevolent, but Maleficent. I think is an attempt to course correct a little bit. So she isn't all bad, right? We see yeah, shades it's like of an gray. Origin story, right? She's a powerful woman. She's less tropey. I'm just going to use tropey as a word now. I've decided. But there's a reason for her actions. Right. She's motivated. So she's a little bit more of a human. Yeah. But she still is very traditionally beautiful. Yes. Otherwise, she couldn't be the star of the movie. She's still white. Yes. She's still... In the real story, it's she didn't get invited to a party. And she makes the girl prick her finger. That's the actual story. She got mad because she wasn't invited to a party. I don't know about these movies. <laughs> you brought them up. Because I wanted to see what you thought about her as a witch. So, but uh, anyway, so We got kind of off track with it, Disney. It's okay. It's better, <laughs> but it's still not great. And... I will say... So you're not willing to go out and say Maleficent is like a feminist icon. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't tell you one way or the other. If you want me to, I'll watch it. Yeah, watch it. I have no problem. Yeah, Um, one of your 7,000 trips to the movie theater this month. Go watch that one. I'm already going to see that movie where the countdown movie where your phone tells you when you're going to die. Okay. Nope. Nothing? All right. I'm going to see that one. Sure. It's, I mean, it's going to be real dumb, but I like to watch teenagers get murdered in movies. Okay, then. Former high school teacher. Who doesn't? Thank you for listening to this episode of Professed Hers. Our podcast is about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Misty, and I don't have a witch laugh, but... And I'm Allegra. (laughs) That's really how I laugh. Yeah. It is. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you what you thought about today's episode, what you like us to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ProfessHers, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S, or by email, same address, ProfessHers at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you to everyone who has been listening, commenting, liking, and reviewing our podcast. Please keep doing all those things, and we hope you recommend our podcast to a friend or your coven. And remember, witches are people too.